0: The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, The Craft House Brewery, now with two locations. The Tone Factory Recording Studio. Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs. Mr. Antenna, now your host, Jim Tofty. Welcome, everybody. Hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving as much as I did. I thought this would be a great time to check in with my old friend, Vegas film critic Jeffrey K. Howard, about everything in film and what's streaming on TV. I've got Jeff on the line right now. Welcome, Jeff Howard. Do you remember me?
1: Oh <laughs> uh, it's something it was at Clark High School. You were my history
0: teacher, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh it's it's <laughs> yes, been a minute, Jim. but um yes. I wanted but you hated me. Uh, no. <laughs> No, that's a rumor that was started by other people. Um, that hate me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was uh, there was a reason that I wanted to talk to you, and that's because there. Are, well, it's an interesting time, first of all, in uh, in movies and TV. First of all, you're getting all this content now that is coming to our streaming devices and televisions and stuff because it isn't necessarily in the theaters. Although more and more we're seeing things going back to the theaters or you're getting a combination of both. Now, you hit the theaters all the time. Are you seeing people return to the theaters? Well,
1: I tell you what, the last time we spoke, you know, the world was still in, in the old mode. I mean, things have changed so yeah. quickly over the past year and a half. And I've been a film critic for 25 years. That's my title. Now, I belong to the Television Critics Association as well. Because in quarantine, uh, I became more busy in my career than I ever have. Because I started doing streaming. I started doing television. And that definition kind of blurs too. What's television? What's streaming? What's, you know, it's just, it's all being homogenized into one uh, one word, which they should come up with. And so I started doing stuff for all the streaming services Hulu, uh, Netflix, uh, uh, Paramount Plus, Disney Plus, HBO Max. And all of them have original content that's coming out uh, that's being dedicated just to their streaming services. And also some of these motion pictures, either they've been shelved because of the pandemic or um, they're releasing them strictly on their streaming services, which has been very controversial with Disney and Warner Brothers because the theater owners are going, wait a minute, you know, that's, your, that's our livelihood and you're putting it on streaming. And what we're seeing going back to the box office is the younger crowd. They're seeing Venom. They're seeing Paw Patrol. They're seeing all of those uh, movies that are, are targeted to that demographic. And and sometimes James Bond movie like that, but they're not going back. So people are staying home uh, in droves. So the box office hasn't recovered completely. And we just started seeing movies as critics going back to the theater as they fully opened. And even a lot of the critics are kind of sketchy about going back to the movies. We're like seeing uh, a movie with maybe 10 critics in a giant theater and we're all vaccinated. And you wouldn't believe what we have to go through with the studios just to go see these movies. Um, to make sure that we're vaccinated and that we're not uh, COVID positive. So wow, never I've, thought about I've, that.
0: I've, what about people, yeah. what about just the general public going into a movie theater? Uh, it, I'm, I'm assuming you have to be fully vaccinated or just masked, no. masked up? No, you No, just
1: masked, yeah. Well, we're talking, if we're talking about Las Vegas and we're talking about Nevada, we still have a mask mandate. So everywhere you go, there's a sign saying, you, even if you're vaccinated, you must wear a mask, which I think what I heard a rumor is in the next few weeks that's going to be lifted. Uh, Because we're going in such the right direction. Uh, But no, they don't ask for vaccinations, uh, but they do require you, if you're seeing a private screening, uh, like for critics, they have all these guidelines that we have to adhere to. I think they're worried about liability. I'm waiting for one moviegoer or a critic to say, look, I was COVID free, so I went to go see your film and I caught it there and I'm suing. That has to be the reason why they're so cautious about that. Plus, they're concerned now about spreading. Uh, COVID to people that are going to see their films. But I always preface my movie reviews when I do them on radio or, or other places that look, you know, I'm not telling you to go to the movies. I'm just letting you know what's out there because I've seen 90% of these movies from the comfort of my home. Uh, because I wasn't confident going back to the theater. I'm triple vaxxed now, so I don't have a problem going back out
0: in public. And I'm about to be. And I talk to actors all the time who, you know, say, why did you uh, do a TV series? And they go, that's because that's where it's at right now.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's TVs. It's another golden age of television. I can't tell you how many uh, television series on all these streaming services that I have to watch still. I need another lifetime to catch up with everything. I can't meet someone in this you know, online or in the street who tells me, hey, have you seen this show? You've got to see this show. I think it's a movie called You that's on Netflix right now that everyone's going crazy over. And it's like fifth on my list, you know? And when I do these interviews for all these series... I usually watch the first three or four episodes, which they give me. They don't give me the entire series sometimes. I can't tell you how many half series that I've gotten. (laughs)
0: through. I'm
1: like, when am I going to go back and finish Hightown? When am I going to go back and finish Dope Sick? When am I going to go back and finish Lost in Space?
0: You know, I was just going to ask you about Dope Sick, because I did watch the complete series. It is the best series that I have seen this year. It is incredible.
1: It It was one of those series where, you know, I love to binge if I have a chance. And that show, they gave me all 10 episodes, did Hulu. And I could not binge that show because after each episode, I was like crawling back to my room because
0: it was such,
1: (laughs) you know, because I've known people that have opioid addiction. I've known people who've died from opioid uh, addiction and I knew it was bad. But that, you know, Dope Sick, you know, shows exactly what they knew, what Big Pharma was doing. And uh, they knew they were killing people. They knew it was addictive. And. Uh, It was just shocking that this family and this company got away with such mass murder, making billions of dollars in profit, and it affected everyone. Jim, did you see that? Everyone was affected, no matter where you were in this country, probably worldwide too. And I just—it was a lot worse than I thought it was. You know. Yeah, we
0: didn't. We really had no idea about the inside uh, workings of the pharmaceutical company. Although, you know, look—if you watch the news every night or any TV show that's on a network. Every commercial is a pharmaceutical commercial. They're doing well. They're still doing well.
1: And I don't understand. I really don't. I know the networks are making a fortune now that they, de- they deregulated. You could advertise, you know, uh, pharmaceuticals on TV. But has anyone ever went into their doctor and go, "Hey, can I try that ribelsis? <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, my sugar level is a little too high. Can, can I try that? You know, you know, the doctor will tell me what I need. They always go, "Ask your doctor." Like I'm sort of sort of expert. You know, so I,
0: I, you know, I think that this was one of Michael Keaton's finest performances, not to mention Caitlin Deaver, who you interviewed. And she's just an amazing young actress, isn't she?
1: Oh, and Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson. Oh, I mean, there wasn't a bad performance in this. Michael Keaton, I didn't have a chance to interview him. He was limited, but I've seen him on CNN and other interviews where this was really personal for him. He was executive producer of the series. Um, but. And then also it was on the news recently that during the pandemic, you know, opioid deaths went up, what, 100,000 people or something yeah. like that? Yeah. So, yeah. So even in our quarantine, you know, people's addiction, I know my addiction was food. You know, I, I crossed <laughs> over to the, the type two uh, era, you know, because I just said, you know, last year, 2020 was such a bad year for me. Personally, I just, you know, I didn't care. I just ate, I watched TV and did my reviews and interviews Same and anything I wanted, anything I wanted. And that. It's coming back to bite me, I'll tell you that.
0: By the way, the Ghostbusters film looks really cool and and it's been great that uh, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and and uh, Ernie Hudson have gotten together. Even though I'm sure they're not the main part of this film, it looks good. I mean, have you seen it? Have you seen the Paul Rudd Ghostbusters? They
1: have not. They did not screen it for critics in really? Las Vegas. And I've just been so busy. It's, it's award season right now, Jim. So they are showing me sometimes three movies in a row in theaters <laughs> uh, because of our awards we're voting on in a few weeks. And so they want us to see it in theaters uh, when we can. If not, they send us a screener. And it's like an assembly. It's like that "I Love Lucy" episode where the chocolates come down the conveyor belt. <laughs> <laughs> it just, you know, if I don't grab that chocolate and wrap it up and put it, it just goes past me. And when am I going to get to it? You know. So Ghostbusters, I've heard nothing but great things. They showed good, it good. at uh, CinemaCon here. Uh, you know, a few months ago, rave reviews. So I'm excited to see it. So very, it looks great.
0: Good. You brought up uh, Lucio Ball. So being the Ricardos, Nicole yes. Kidman as Lucio
1: Ball? Well, it's from Aaron Sorkin, you know, who's... Who, who, I like it already.
0: Says, you you, yeah, you only know. have to it's say just, that.
1: That is right. You know, West Wing and just some of the greatest television of all time. And uh, this is, you know, I'm a big Lucy fan my whole life, you know. And I've read every book you can think of from the Mertzes to, you know, the history of Desilu. So I was going into this, you know, seeing this film. I was really curious what angle he was going to use. And he wraps the movie around um, a particular week at uh, behind the scenes of I Love Lucy, where they're doing a particular episode. And from there, they show how Ricky, Ricky, how Lucy and Desi met. Uh um, Also how, uh, uh, you know, she was accused of being a communist and what that did to her and on the show. Um. Also about her getting pregnant and about the network and and you know everyone loves Lucy, but I have so much respect and admiration for Desi Arnaz because he was the real creative force behind that show. He was the creative force behind Desi Lu, and of course he was a a womanizer. And they they uh, they they touch on that too. But it's such uh, Nicole Kimmitt is fantastic and Javier Bardem as. As uh, Desi Arnaz, it's just, uh, it's not a caricature to where you kind of think they're doing an impression. You think that they're really, uh they be, have become those actors. Who so,
0: plays uh Vivian Vance and William Frawley?
1: William Frawley is um J.K. Simmons, and it escapes me who's playing um Vivian Vance, who okay. I'm such a fan of, too. But when you see J.K. Uh, J. Simmons, he's got the little pot belly and the tie that goes down <laughs> past his pants. And, uh, and I can't say the language that those two used to say. They hated each other. You know, Vivian right. Vance hated that she had a husband that was 30 years older than her, and she had to make love to him on screen, and and uh, they were just bitter behind the scenes. And William Frawley was a chronic alcoholic, and when you see his handshake in the TV show, he was going through withdrawals because he couldn't drink during
0: the show. Well, you know, uh, when I, wh- I interviewed uh, the actor who played... Uh, Chip, on My Three Sons, when he was talking about uh, William Frawley, who was on that show for a few seasons, as Bub. At lunchtime, the kid who played Chip, he said, I'll never forget, he took me to, we'd go to uh, lunch, and he'd sit there and and drink drinks, and I'd have a milkshake, and we'd come back to uh, (laughs) shoot our afternoon scenes, and he'd be half in the bag, (laughs) You know. But he goes, I love the guy.
1: Oh yeah. He was he was old Hollywood. He was back from that era where they drank heavily and you know and uh but yeah, he J. K. Simmons is great playing William Frawley in this. So yeah, if you're a I Love Lucy fan, this is gonna open your eyes to some stories that you may have never heard before, but also shows how her creative process, she was a physical comedian and how she would battle with the directors and the writers over uh uh, it's really sophisticated. You know, Aaron Sorkin just created a masterpiece. and that It's going to be in theaters on December 10th, and it's also streaming later in a few weeks on Amazon Prime Video.
0: That's so great. How about Steven Spielberg's version of West Side Story? It's a tough act to follow the original.
1: And I've seen the original so many times, I can't tell you. And I've seen the trailer for this movie. They haven't screened it for me yet, but they're going to in the next few weeks. I don't see the difference. <laughs> I really don't yeah. see its own identity yet. Now, look, we're talking Steven Spielberg, you know, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and I'm going to see the film. But I, I of all the projects for one of the world's greatest directors to tackle. It must be something really personal for him to want to remake this. And it's not even remade. I don't think it's remade in our time, is it? Is it made in, in the 21st century? Uh, I'm not even sure what the setting is.
0: It almost so, looks in the trailer. It almost looks it has almost that vintage yellow yeah. photographic look to it.
1: Yeah. So are we back in the 1950s, you know, when New yeah. York was, you know, crumbling? And so, again, lately I have not watched trailers that much. I don't research anything because they spoil so much of, of the movie now by doing that. So I did see the trailer for, for West Side Story a few months ago when the teaser came out. You know, I am not excited about it, even though it's one of my favorite musicals. I just I I don't there's some movies just why are you remaking this? You know, so unless you're going to do something different with it. But again, it's Steven Spielberg, but I'll give it a chance. But uh, we'll see how it does. Musicals aren't doing that great right now theatrically. So in the Heights bombed, even though it's fantastic. And uh, so we got to find the right place for these movies.
0: Um, Licorice Pizza looks pretty interesting. I think you've seen that one.
1: Yes, Licorice Pizza. Man, it's from Paul Thomas Anderson, who's one of my favorite directors. Nice. Who, who could forget Boogie Nights, right? Yeah. This movie is a love letter to the Valley in California in the early 70s. And it stars Cooper Hoffman, who is Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. And it centers around him as a 15-year-old who falls in love with an older woman, uh, uh, played by Alicia Hame. Uh, who's at his high school one day taking high school photographs and he hits on her and they end up kind of going on a date They become friends, but all of a sudden he's an entrepreneur. He's selling water beds. He's uh, opening pinball machines. He's uh, doing all kinds of these different things to make money and pressing this young woman. And uh, it's also semi-autobiographical about, uh, um, you know, John Peters and also William Holden because he got Bradley Cooper And uh, Sean Penn in it. So it is baggy and shaggy. It is so good. Uh, I was about eight years old when this movie takes place. So I was thinking of memories that I haven't thought of in decades, you know, from the music to the hairstyles to the cars to uh, it's just an amazing uh, personal movie from Paul Thomas Anderson. It's one of my favorites of the year. I believe it comes out on Christmas Eve uh, especially here in Las Vegas.
0: And I think, what is it, Don't Look Up comes out on Christmas Eve as well on Netflix? Yeah,
1: yeah, Don't Look Up. That's uh, from uh, with Leo DiCaprio. And funny, you should mention that. I'm heading to New York next week to see the movie and to interview the cast. Wow. Um, yeah, so that's really exciting. I We have been traveling, you know, if, I do a lot of the film junkets, but they've all been virtual because of COVID. So the studios have been really skittish, especially the talent. They don't want to be around, you know, 100 people a day. Uh, sitting two feet away from them doing interviews. But I think that's all changing now. So uh, especially with award season going on right now, a lot of the studios are going to start pushing the movies they want critics and the public to see um, so they can get buzz going on it. And that is one of them. So that's going to be pretty interesting to see that next week.
0: A lot of people are excited about uh, (laughs) Matrix returning, Matrix Resurrections.
1: Yeah, Matrix Resurrections. um, (laughs) That comes out on December 22nd. You know, again, I watched the trailer. It dropped, I think, like a week ago. Mind blowing, you know, mind blowing special effects, but it doesn't give much away. So I thought, okay, I'll get online and see what it's about, just a little synopsis. All it says is Neil finds himself back in the Matrix. (laughs) 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 What a simple explanation for probably one of the most complex, you know, movie series of all time. So uh, I'm excited to see it again. Keanu Reeves can do no wrong. He is on fire with his career. And uh, bringing back The Matrix, I, I think that's going to be one of those built-in audiences. It's got a legacy behind it. I'm excited because seeing those films for the first time, I mean, those changed cinema. They really did. So we'll see where it's come full circle now with uh, Matrix Resurrections.
0: Back to TV. I'm uh, i am a huge music fan, as you know. And the, the Beatles docuseries starts on Thanksgiving. And it's Peter Jackson who's yes. at the helm of this thing. I think it's a three-part docuseries. series.
1: Yeah, it's a three-part docu series. I think it's six hours total. They just sent me the screener last night, and uh, I'm really. And it's so funny because Disney made me go through this whole new system of screening. You had to sign like contracts, and you can't even leave it on when you leave the room, so someone else may see it. You <laughs> believe. I know you wouldn't believe some of the. How ridiculous... do they know
0: if you leave the room I, to go I to know. the bathroom or something?
1: I, it's crazy. I know it is. And if you don't know what's behind this documentary, it's the footage from their movie Let It Be. Yeah. But Let It Be was all of them on the rooftop. This right. is all the footage they shot for weeks um, of them rehearsing the album, of rehearsing everything, seeing the Beatles creative process. And Peter Jackson just started with, I wonder what happened to all that footage. So he calls up Apple and they go, yeah, we've got, you know, 170 hours of footage just sitting down in our vaults in our, in our uh, climate controlled. And he goes, well, if we may want to do a documentary someday. And Jackson's like raising his hand going, I'll do it. And he just spent the last three or four years putting this footage together. And I've seen parts of it. Oh, my God, to see the Beatles, not only in this crystal clear environment, but them, their creative process for these songs. It's just mind blowing. It really is.
0: Yeah. And smiling and having fun. Um, Yes. Yeah, it's going to be great. You interviewed the cast of Lost in Space, which returns. I love that series. And it's the third and final season, right, coming up
1: it is and it's been delayed for like two years because of covid like everything else has and it's one of my favorite shows on netflix i'm a huge fan of the original yeah i collect the i collect the robot from the original film so anytime i find a toy <clears throat> or something like that this this is like i said it's been delayed it's coming out on december 1st i can't post the interviews because i guess i asked some spoiler questions and netflix didn't get mad at me they go jeff hold your interviews till it opens on december 1st and i'm like I didn't ask a spoiler. I mean, that was so, yes. Uh, And then Maxwell Jenkins, who plays, I know, Maxwell Jenkins, who plays Will Robinson, when the series started three or four years ago, he was 11. Yeah. Now he's 16. He's as tall as a robot. And uh, it's just (laughs) amazing to see how much that kid grew up with us over the last four or five years. Um, But it's, I've seen the first three episodes. Each episode ends with a cliffhanger. Uh, if you're a fan of that show man they're going out with a bang it's just exciting and i love it so yeah check you didn't out ask
0: Space. the question if the robot uh killed everyone no i didn't okay <laughs> no and if or if they made it back to earth
1: i didn't get that far no i wouldn't ask anything like that i i only ask what i know you know it's like a lawyer you don't go into court and ask a question you don't know the answer <laughs> to. So. I watched the first three episodes, and you got to be careful because there are spoilers and you don't want to say something in an interview and, and uh, then people watch and go, oh, my God, it's so-and-so. So I was pretty vague, I thought, on some of the things I said, and uh, they just said, Jeff, we appreciate if you'd hold your interviews till, till opening day. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. So I had to tease it, so I put it on my social media that I spoke to them, uh, but it was a thrill. And here's here real quick about Lost in Space. When the series uh, first debuted, the first season, I was at WonderCon, which is a huge comic convention in Anaheim. They were there on the red carpet. I couldn't get on. Then later on that summer in July for Comic-Con in San Diego, they were there on the red carpet. I couldn't get on. I couldn't get the first season interviews. I couldn't get the second so I'm not, you know, I'm not ashamed to say I begged Netflix for season three. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good for I you. I, just
1: told, I told him that. And within five minutes, my rep goes, okay, you're on. I'm like, yes. And oh, then Parker that's... Posey dropped out. I'm like, no. <laughs>
0: oh, really? Yeah. Well, yeah. She's Dr. Smith. She's so great. Yes. She is. Um, and by the way, Hulu is running the original series right now. I just watched the first episode of the original series today, as a matter of fact. And Yeah, it's incredible, and I remember, you know, I interviewed Bill Mooney once, and he said, the first season, and it's just like The Man from U.N.C.L.E. was so good, and then it just got campier and campier as they were trying to keep fans who were turning away and going to, you know, Batman and other campy shows like that.
1: And not only that, it turned into Gilligan's Island. I mean, here you have all these people visiting this planet they can't get off of, but people come and go all the time in
0: the, in <laughs> i never thought episode. about it that way
1: yeah i'm like okay well this you know i would as a kid have anxiety because they, you know especially on gilligan they couldn't get off this planet they couldn't they were always fixing the jupiter 2 it was it was never fixed right so anytime they had a chance to get off they never did or they went to another dimension or they got kidnapped or something like that but you're right the first season of loss in space the black and white ones they were serious sci-fi, and I really admire that. Doctor Smith was just a reserved, evil man. Just how Parker Posey plays uh, that character in the new series, and then he turned into comic relief. You know, I, and he was like, bl- bl-, and he had, you know, it was just it got silly, but it's still pretty good. I mean, who doesn't quote that show? Say, crush, kill, destroy. You know,
0: from that <laughs> <era>. <laughs> bobbleheaded booby. Yeah, uh, you bobbleheaded booby. Well, man. yeah, and in the in the series, I was so excited I, as a kid. I am probably a little younger than Bill Mooney, but. Uh, I'll never forget when he Will Robinson made it back to Earth. I can't remember the yes. circumstances, but he made it back to Earth and decided that if he was going to be the only one, he didn't want to stay, and so he ended up going back where yeah, the family I remember was. That.
1: I remember that, and I'm a Las Vegas native, and I don't know how long you've been in Las Vegas, Jim, but when thirty I was years. A kid, okay, well, this, I don't know if you this is you got to be longer than that. I think uh, if you watch Viva Las Vegas, you'll see um, the old Convention Center. And it looked when I was a little kid, we drive by it. It looks like the Jupiter Two.
0: <laughs> I can see that.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I would I would drive by. And go, I would think that was the Jupiter Two when I was a little boy like that. So, but Lost in Space is a great legacy, and I'll never forget. I did a, a movie junket called Secondhand Lions with Michael Caine, and Michael Caine made all of these movies with Irwin Allen, who was the creator of Lost in Space. Yeah, and yeah, so he did um, the Swarm, and he did uh, Poseidon Adventure, Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. And my last question to him when I did that interview was, I'm a huge fan of Irwin Allen. I mean, the first movie I ever saw in the theater was The Poseidon Adventure, and Towering Inferno is like my all time favorite. I go, Do you have a great memory of Irwin Allen? And he gave me the greatest soundbite. It's in storage. I got to find it on a beta tape and transfer it. But he's like, That man, I'll do a horrible Michael Caine. He's like, That man was the most gracious man I ever met at Christmas. He would bring toys to my kids and my family. He just told these great stories about Irwin Allen. So that was really nice nice to know. He was one of the nicest men in Hollywood. That was really nice to hear
0: from them. Uh, One last TV show that i don't know if you've if you've watched it yet it is so good and it returns for its third season i think and that's hannah on amazon prime
1: i have seen the first two seasons and i yeah i'm excited about seeing the third season um they had they did interviews and i couldn't get on that um but hannah's great too like I said, Jim, we could sit here for hours and just go through so many television series that are so good. I know. Have you seen Hightown? Hightown on Stars is like one of my favorite shows. Uh, it's just brilliant. You know, Monica Raymond and, and uh, created by Rebecca Cutter. That's one of my favorite shows. Um, also, we got to talk about Tick, Tick, Boom on Netflix. Okay, got to mention that. It's based on the autobiographical musical um, by playwright Jonathan Larson, who did Rent. And it's a story of an inspiring composer in New York City who's worried he made the wrong career choice. He's working on one musical for eight years and he can't sell it. And it's a directorial debut of Lin-Manuel Miranda, who did the music for Hamilton and uh, Moana. And Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man. Here is this guy doing this musical who's never had a singing lesson in his life. And Lin-Manuel Miranda met him and said, I know there's a singer inside you somewhere. And he did. And he is just – this is one of the best movies of the year – um, it's just fan It's streaming on Netflix right now. It is so infectious. It is so incredible. Um, everyone is talking about this movie. Everyone is talking about Andrew Garfield. If you haven't seen Tick Tick Boom, you gotta be a musical fan to begin with. This is a serious musical, but it's fantastic.
0: So much to watch. It's obvious, stuff is coming back in droves now. Um, I can only imagine what you go through uh, having <laughs> getting all the screeners, and oh, going yeah. to all the movies. Uh, it's Vegas film critic Jeffrey K. Howard. Where can people find you to watch your stuff on YouTube and other places?
1: Right. Well, you can always go to my website vegasfilmcritic dot com and it's a portal to all my social media, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can always go to my YouTube page, too, at Vegas Film Critic. I'm, everything I do is called Vegas Film Critic. You can't miss. It's
0: a pleasure, sir. And uh, maybe towards the spring when stuff like Top Gun and some of these other films are coming out, we'll do this again.
1: Your people will call my people. We'll, we'll set it up. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Thanks so much.
0: Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.